It's not the kind of horror I'm going to talk about tonight. I am going to be talking about something else. So if, uh, if you will, those of you, Megan, if you would, pull up Ephesians 4, 29, 32 through 32. 4, 29 through 32 is where we're going to be. Ephesians chapter 4, 29 through 32. This is going to be the uh, main scripture for tonight. It's the uh, driving force behind the, uh, what, the topic I'm going to be talking about. So we've got Ephesians 4.29 up, those that are looking at your Bible. Give you a moment to get there. Okay. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. It's along with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If you would just go ahead, please be seated. Thank you. That scripture, as I said, that's the driving force for what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about having a critical spirit, critical heart, overcoming that critical spirit. What is like interchangeable with heart and spirit, I'll talk as I go. But before I get into it, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, I come praising, praising your blessed, holy, wonderful name, Lord. So good to us. I'm so thankful, Lord, just to be able to be in your presence once again, to be able to share your word with a group of people here at Faith Baptist Church, Lord. Lord, I pray you're going to be with me, keeping my mind clear, tongue untied, Lord, distractions. Lord, I pray that you'll cast Satan and all of his demons far away from here, Lord. Just uh, send your angels to wrap around us, protect us, Lord. Pray, Lord, the word I got is going to be of use to someone. I know your word never goes out and comes back void. So whatever comes out is going to be of use to one or more people, to include me, Lord. It's in Jesus' name, I praise you and I love you. Amen. Uh, that critical, speaking of that critical spirit, that word critical in the English language, of course, has got different meanings based on context. I remember reading or hearing some many years back that the English language is somewhat hard to learn because we have so many words that mean so many different things based upon the context. Now, I, I don't know that's a fact. I don't know any other language. I've never even tried really to learn another language whatsoever, so I don't know that's true. You know, Hebrew seems like that'd be awful hard to me, but a whole lot of languages would be. But in our language, I look at that word critical, and I look at something like we use it as a critical condition. That's a severe condition, a medical condition, where we might be in danger of death. So critical can be very severe. A critical shortage could be something that's a critical item is vital. Maybe it's an indispensable item like a medicine or something like that, or food stuff. We also have critical thinking. Critical thinking is not always a bad thing because it's a careful evaluation of things when you're trying to come to problem solving. We would do things like and have critical thinking groups back in my working days. But the way I'm going to be using it here tonight is going to be for, I guess from an aspect of looking at criticizing. Criticizing other people 
rather severely and unfavorably. So I'm going to talk about here. That critical spirit, you know, when, you, when someone's got that, a critical spirit, it's not really all that difficult to recognize it if you're around them often enough. It's going to bear fruit. It's going to come out. It's going to show something about them. It's going to be quite obvious. Someone that's got a critical spirit is going to be prone to complaining a lot if you're around them. Or maybe they're going to see the, you know, this old adage, glass is half empty. That's the way they'll see things. They're going to be maybe feeling sorrow, a lot of sorrow about any unmet expectations probably in themselves or in other people also. Or they're going to sense failure. And they're pretty good at sensing failure, more so in other people than in themselves. And they also tend to be, this is a key word, overly judgmental. Not just judgmental. I'm going to talk on judgmental a little bit. But overly judgmental. But people that's got a critical spirit, they're usually not a lot of fun or not very enjoyable to be around them a lot, unless maybe you're like-minded. You know, if you like got the same political views and you're hammering on somebody else, then that might be a different thing. But, you know, you might like it then, but generally not, because they're not, they, they tend to be critical of other people, critical maybe of themselves, they may be critical to the person they're talking to. It could be either way. It's not, it's not a good thing for us Christians to possess that critical spirit. Now, and I'm going to get a little bit more detail on that in just a moment, but it's not a good thing for us to possess that spirit because one thing it can do is bring us misery. And one misery it's going to bring to you, it's going to bring a grieving of the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit within you. I'm talking about Christians. If you're a Christian, he's within you. And if you've got that spirit within you as a critical spirit, you're going to bring grief to him. And that's the case with most of our sins. And that's what it is. A critical spirit is a sinful spirit, a sinful heart. That's why it grieves the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit is doing those things that you should not be doing in God's eyes. So when you have a critical spirit, it becomes a, a corruption, a corruption of something God has made to be good. And in the case of what I'm talking about here, that good thing is that longing that we have in us to have God and His perfection in our lives. It corrupts that. The book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us in chapter 3, he says, He hath made, it's God, He, God, hath made everything beautiful in His time. He hath set the world, that is eternity, in their heart, so no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. We have finite limitations in, in us. Even though our scientists like to tell you what happened 8 billion years ago, that's not true. They have, we have finite limitations in what we can grasp. And we surely can't grasp God and what he's doing. We live in this fallen world. We know that. We're Christians. We are, we are as Christians, we're just impatient often to enter into that glorious perfection that God created us for. He created us to glorify Him and to live with Him forever. And we look forward to that time that we're off this earth and that we are living for Him. You know, we do often, I hear people say, and I've heard it this week, I sure wish Lord Jesus would come out on the cloud and call us home now. That's a bit of a selfish thought myself, no? Because there's too many lost souls out here that's got to be saved. you got them in your family. They're all over the place. we got work to do. We've got lots of it to do, so we don't want to get into that, you know, any more than that. But we do still, and as a matter of fact, none of us ever say, boy, I can't wait till I pass away. 
Now, we don't usually say that either, do we? We just kind of look for him to step out when we're thinking like that. But we are impatient. We do want to be there and when that time comes. So, in a sense, it's good that we can see what's lacking in the world. Okay? I'm going to say there's some goods and some bads here to this, this uh, situation I'm talking about. You know, the world is not what it should be, and, and we know that, and we're not what we should be. None of us are. But recognizing the world's insufficiency is going to, or at least it should, help us to acknowledge and to stay, stay aware of, or to, uh, we'll say to, to stay aware of our need for a Savior. We have that need for Him. And by, but having a critical spirit, that can blind us. A critical spirit will blind you to all the grace, the beauty that God continues to bestow upon us. He puts it out on us every single day. And a critical spirit is a, or can be seen as a, a misdirection of discernment, thinking of discernment, knowing good from evil, right from wrong, how you should conduct yourself, how others should conduct themselves. It's a uh, misdirection of that. I first thought perversion, but I think misdirection is better of discernment. The people that are accused or display a critical spirit, they often have, they often have some valid points. You know, not everything they say about what's going on and what's happening to people around them is wrong, but they just tend to have a, I guess, an obnoxious and unpleasant way of state, stating things and, and displaying them. So, uh, therefore, critical spirits, they will be destructive. They'll tear down the recipient. Now, the recipient might be the person that you're talking about. They might hear about it, or they might be just bold and rude enough talking straight at them in a critical manner. But as much as anything, it's talking to somebody else. And if they're not like-spirited themselves, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, they don't want to hear it, especially about someone they care about. So, so you can tear down those other people, but at the same time, you're tearing yourself down. So in the book of Galatians, Paul says, this is chapter 5, he says, For all the law is fulfilled in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor, as thyself. But if you bite, devour one another, here it comes, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. And what that means, take heed that you be not consumed one another, that you don't destroy, ruin relationships in your life, especially your brothers and sisters in Christ around you. The Bible, the Bible speaks about critical judgment. The book of Matthew, everybody knows in chapter 7, they know that that first, first verse, judge not, that you be not judged. Yeah, you know, the people out in the world, they'll, they'll love to throw that back at you if you try to witness to them sometime. Who are you to judge me? Well, we ain't judging you, just warning them. That's what you're doing. God's going to be their judge, whether they know it or not. But it says, judge not, that you be not judged. But, that, but this is not a warning against judgment. It's a warning against critical judgment, hypocritical judgment. For, for it goes on to say, For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. That was Jesus Christ speaking to us. Now, he's not saying that we should not be discerning, that we should not use good judgment whatsoever. He's not telling us not to do that at all. He's not telling us that we should ignore the fallen nature of this world. It's out there. He's not saying that we must never, under any circumstances, criticize anybody else. And when I say that, he said so. The Bible tells us that we are to judge rightly. The book of John chapter 7, 
Jesus speaks again on the subject. He says, judge not according to the appearance. Here it comes. But judge righteous judgment. He's telling you, you are to judge righteous judgment. It should be just. It should be merited judgment. But you are to judge righteous judgment. There's a whole lot more to talk about on judging. But just step off the critical. I'm trying to stay focused on one thing. You know, whenever we use words like judge not, they're always, people are always talking about if you're saying something that maybe someone doesn't like to hear. Who are you to judge me? Well, you know, judging is two things. Yay, nay. Huh? Good, bad. Huh? High, low. So everybody's always talking about don't judge me bad. Don't judge me low. But if you judge them high, whoever, you ever judged them by and said, hey, you're doing a great job. And they said, who are you to judge? Don't think so, do they, huh? Same thing. If you can't do one, you can't do the other. So judge not doesn't fit. But we'll go on. And we are not, we're definitely not, even though he says it, he's not saying we are not to criticize. He says you are to judge righteous judgment, back to where I was. However, he says we are not to criticize with a malicious heart. We, should, we don't let pride come in and cause us a problem. We're not to judge with hypocrisy or, or self-righteousness. We're not to criticize. We, we can't assume that we're going to be impartial or that we can fairly expect other people to live up to our standards all the time if we are living a real good life or even to our viewpoint. We criticize a lot of people for they don't agree with our viewpoints. Jeremiah speaks on why we can't. He says, this is chapter 17, you know this one well, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You're not going to be impartial. You know the old saying, follow your heart? The Bible says it's deceitful, desperately wicked. That heart's not good, not good leadership material. We humans, we have a natural deceitful heart and it causes us to have blind spots. Blind spots on people when we make inappropriate comparisons or we make inaccurate comparisons about people and what they say and what they're doing and why they did something. Or maybe we're comparisons against us. We're good about trying to compare against us in the way we think. You know, one can make me grit my teeth. You know, I've got some of my family. I'm only speaking the truth when all they're doing is telling their opinions. It's, it's, it's only God, folks, that can judge with perfect accuracy. He's the only one. He don't have a deceitful heart. Revelation speaks on that. It says, this is chapter 19, I mean, excuse me, oh uh, yeah, chapter 19. It says, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Here it comes. For true and righteous are His judgments. And only His judgments. Not ours. Our discernment. That acuteness. That acuteness of judgment. It's only going to be valid. If it's equipped with knowledge that comes to us. By way of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's within you Christian. He's there. John chapter 16, John says, how be it? This is well, not John. He's, Jesus spoke. He wrote it. Jesus says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, has come, here it comes, he will guide you into all truth. Listen to him. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Here it comes again. He, Holy Spirit, will show you things to come. Let him guide you in your 
I won't say those words right now. I'm coming to it in a minute. But in your own words that you might say your thoughts, I will, your thoughts about other people. It's only when we ourselves are submitted to Christ and when we're honest with ourselves. That's where we break down a lot. When we're honest with ourselves, then our judgments are going to serve to be spiritually uplifting rather than destructive. The, uh, I said earlier when we started out, I said to talk a little bit about how to overcome that. I've been talking about what it's like to have it and what it does. But to overcome it, well, Jesus speaks in Luke chapter 6. He says, this is a warning again, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man out of evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. Here it comes. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. That's where that critical spirit resides. It's in that critical heart. It's coming out of there. It's what's built up in there. So now what that's telling us is the condition of our heart. The condition is crucial because critical words are going to spring forth out of that critical heart. When you let that stuff get deep into you. Critical heart is going to generally come from a a misunderstanding maybe, or a, a lack of focus on God's grace, what he has done for us, what he's done for you. It may come as a matter of just, just pride. I keep mentioning that word because there's so much in us. It eats us up. Or maybe it's uh, only, maybe it's a simple lack of, maybe it's just a simple lack of information or understanding about, about God's character and that true meaning of salvation. And what it, what it is meant for. It's only when we can understand or we can admit. That's the big one I get back to again. It's only when we can understand and admit our sinfulness, that sinful nature, apart from God, and we can understand the death of his grace to us, are we going to be able then, then, to bestow grace on others. Critical heart, that critical spirit is going to block you from bestowing grace upon other people. The book of Ephesians chapter 2 says... For by grace, that is God's grace. For by his grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Under God. Under good works. Which God hath before ordained. That is established. That we should walk in them. We should walk in those good works. Rather than that critical spirit. Those of us. You might have noticed, I might, I'm fixing to change that person a little bit from them and these and to those of us. That's how I really got into this message more than anything is it's, it's been beating on me all year long. 2020 has been a bad one. Those of us that, who do struggle with that critical spirit, we know, we know that we can't ever live up to, can't live up to our own standards, much less expect other people to live up to them. We're constantly judging others. And we judge ourselves a lot. If we're honest about it, we do look at ourselves and judge ourselves. But it don't stop that critical spirit from raising his ugly head again. And we always keep coming up lacking when, we, when we're judging ourselves. But Christ, Christ will feel that lacking. He'll feel that lacking within us. He's perfect. He's righteous. He freely grants. He grants that righteousness to each one of us who believe in him. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5 says... For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, here it comes, that we, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
It's there. It's within us. We've got to pull it out. It's within us. The better we understand and the more we know about God's grace to us and the more appreciative we are of it, the more gracious then that we're going to be able to be to other people, the ones that are around us. First Peter, Peter speaks on it. He says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, here it comes. He says, If so be, if so be, that means if you do it. Read it again. Wherefore, lay aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking. If you do that, you then have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know it. You feel it. You taste it. I love that way of looking at it. You tasted it. That Peter used and Paul used that a few times too. And thus, you know, and the more gracious, once we do, the more gracious we will be. And, and also, the giving of thanks. I mentioned gratitude a moment ago. The giving of thanks is a strong antidote to a critical spirit. Thankfulness in all circumstances should be a way of life for us Christians. It should just naturally flow from the hearts out the mouth. I do believe, I've heard this, and I do, and I've repeated it hundreds and hundreds of times through my life, and I try to live by it. When it comes to dealing with other people, expect nothing. Give thanks for everything, no matter what it is. I've heard people say things sometimes when someone does something for them, they'll say, thank you, and then they'll stop and say, well, he ought to have done that anyway. Well, he's got this and he's got it. No, did something for you, be grateful, no matter what it is. Don't expect it, just be thankful for it. And another important area for overcoming a critical spirit, though, right there, thought life. Your thought life. Book of Romans, chapter 12, Paul tells us about this. He says, Beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Here it comes. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your thought life that you might prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. If you're not changing the way this thing is working, you're not going to prove that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. He, uh, he, does, he mentions this again, Paul does, in Second Corinthians, when he says, casting down imaginations. That's a big one there, where you get off into imaginations about what's going on. I'll come back just briefly on that in a moment. Casting down imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Here it comes. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Last time I was up here six weeks ago, we talked about obedience. But we are to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So rather than focus on what's missing in our lives. We should think those things that are excellent, praiseworthy. Paul, once again, I'm going to read the scripture twice. Philippians 4, 8, it is. Brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, 
whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Read that again without saying whatsoever so many, whatsoever so many times. He's saying these are the things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Though whatsoever things, these things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. Think on these things to change that thinker up there, to change your heart. Now that's, once again, I got a little caveat to that, of course. That's not to say that we should ignore all falsehoods. There are plenty of them out there. There's lots of injustices in the world. There's ugliness abounding all around us. There's plenty of imperfection. But we shouldn't dwell on it. Don't dwell on those negatives. I believe I said that earlier. Paul instructed us in this matter. In the book of Ephesians, I read this earlier in my opening scriptures. In Ephesians 4, he said, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, only that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace. Grace, that we will minister grace like we receive it unto the hearers of what we have to say. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, that is including all malice. And be ye kind one to another. Be tenderhearted. Be forgiving. Forgiving, that's a big word. One another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgave you. If you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven by Christ. That's just simply how it works. It's written. That's a whole other sermon. But now there's no doubt that things in this world could be better than they are. But according to Proverbs, things are out there. Solomon said, hatred, that is hatefulness, stirs up strife. Here's the key word. But love covers all sins. Love. That's the number one spiritual, that's the number one uh, spiritual fruit. We have the spiritual fruits expected from all Christians. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, and temperance. Number one is love. Love covers sins and forgiveness for that love. Forgiveness is a priority in order to have that love. So as the body of Christ, we just speak out of a heart of love in order to build each other up. But, but that critical spirit, if you let it come up, it's just going to tear somebody down and you too. And Paul, once again, he instructs in this matter. Megan, would you put up in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3? It's going to touch on this. I just wanted to get it up because I'm going to break a few words down there. But basically what he's saying is here, as I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you that ye walk Worthy of the vocation. The word vocation into us today, we tend to think of the job you got, the career you have, the expertise you got. That's not what the scripture is talking about. Paul is not talking about a vocation, a job you got. He's talking about accepting the gospel for salvation. That's what he's talking about. So you aren't worthy of having accepted the gospel for salvation from which you, wherewith you are called. And he goes on to say, with all lowliness, meekness, and long-suffering. A lot of times we throw patience at long-suffering. 
here, long-suffering, we're talking about an endurance, a perseverance to carry on through. And he goes on to say, forbearing one another in love. Forbearing, now that's exercising patience. Patience and indulgence one with another. Accepting everybody's faults and the things that go wrong. Forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring. Endeavoring, of course, as an exertion of mind and heart, an effort put forth to do something. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace in the church. We want to keep this here with us. The, and another thing that can be helpful in overcoming a critical spirit is to remind ourselves that we really don't know the thoughts and the attentions of other people. You know, you, you hear it a lot of times, of course, probably said it. Well, I know what he's thinking. I know what she means. I know what she's been doing. I know what she's going to do. If it's the children, you're probably right, because they're just doing what you did when you was a kid. But if there are other people, you really don't. That's just your imagination at work, like I spoke about a while ago when Paul, Paul said, cast out, cast down imaginations on every high thing. Because that exalts itself against the knowledge of God when you've got that kind of thought thinking you've got that kind of knowledge about people going on around you. That's that prideful heart at work within us. So at times, you know, another caveat to that, of course, and at times, you know, there's a behavior that you can witness in a person. It's going to reflect maybe their motivation at the moment, at the moment. And it's going to be obvious what their intentions might be, but most of the time it's not going to be true. So just because you hit it right one time, don't be so vain as to think you hit it right every time when you think about what someone else is doing. So before we make any critical remarks, whether you're making them to someone else or yourself, you know, I can sit and read the news. There's been some, I mean, that's some nasty, ugly, lying, cheating, thieving stuff, you know, goes on these days. Well, it's just called news. It's not reporting its opinions and so much. You just can't. Did y'all just realize a critical spirit just raised up, didn't he? <laughs> didn't he? Because I said, I am a news junkie. And I do look at a lot of it. Probably got three newspaper subscriptions and about seven websites. And I do look at a lot of it. I do know it's a weakness. It's really an an addiction as much as anything. And I can get highly critical in my thinking. And it does take some praising the Lord and praying to get past it. But sometimes I don't get that far until I've done way over here. You know, and got where I shouldn't have been. I done got the Holy Spirit grieved by the time I start working my way back, you know. And so it's just a hard thing to fight. There's no doubt about it. So before you make it, you know, whether it's allowed to yourself, because it tears you down too, and you've got to be careful of this. You've got to pause. You've got to consider other possibilities when you're thinking about somebody. And I'm bringing away from the news. These are people I don't even know or see. It's what's going on. It's not the ones that are around me, especially within my own church. And we have this. But we have to, if we are thinking about those people, we've got to ask yourself, you know, is that person that you are criticizing and thinking harshly about, is he or she just really an uncaring jerk? Or maybe maybe they just got something going on at a moment in time, a difficult situation they're faced with that they're trying to battle. It's an of-the-moment thing. And all they really need out of you, just a little bit of grace, a little bit of grace given to them. They probably don't deserve it. You didn't deserve the grace you got. But you got it anyway, so you should give it anyway. Give it to them. That's how you build love for your brothers and sisters up. 
I'm going to summarize the things that I talked about. A critical spirit will tear down the people around you. It'll rob us of our ability to enjoy life. If we become overly critical, a bad thing will tend to happen to us. Besides grieving the Holy Spirit, we stop being thankful for all the good things that come our way. Some are small. I know. And I'll get back to myself on that reading the news. Up until this year, I had the Grange Daily News. I carried it with me to breakfast at Ingalls. I live in Hogansville. And I would have breakfast out there and read the paper. It's local stuff. It's, you know, it's fine. Except for the AP articles every now and then. You'll set them on fire. But now that I don't have that, I got my, my phone. So here I go through them websites. I, at least I got the sense to start with the Christian Broadcasting Network. But then I start diving into the others. And whereas for quite a few months, and this is my retired life that I started doing that going there for the last six years, and I would come out, you know, just read the news, have my breakfast, you know, just have a good time visiting people, say hello, you know, we don't, it wasn't a gossip place or nothing like that. Get every now and then, get a chance to pray with somebody, a witness or something, you know, just try to set an example for Christians and walk outdoors and walk out in the parking lot and Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for another wonderful day. 2020 has been a little bit harder because I've been reading too much of that stuff while I'm sitting there eating my grits. I'm reading about some of the bad things going on in this world and the bad people that wickedness all about. You know, it's like David said, Lord, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, please. I pray that while I'm reading the news. So there's so much of it. And then I end up walking out grumbling, you know, rather than appreciating the beautiful day. That's out there before me when I walk out every time, though. But so there's, and then, but then there's the small blessings. You know, you have a lot of things that come your way that that are good. And if you got that critical spirit, you're going to miss them. You might you might think, well, that's just coincidence. Well, you know, God created everything. He created coincidences too. Everything that comes is coming by way of Him. If you got the Holy Spirit within you, if you're truly a saved person, so. You don't want to miss those small blessings. And you want to give thanks to him for every single one. If you got, ladies, if you got a good haircut, thank you, Lord. Appreciate you for that. I appreciate my wife there. She'll pray for a good haircut. You know, again, the Bible tells you, pray for all things, you know. Pray for these things. Overcome that critical spirit within you. And to, to do it, it's going to require great gratefulness. It's going to require a willingness to forgive others. It's going to require an accurate understanding of God's grace. I'm back to my summary now. It's going to require an intentional refocusing of our thoughts. It's going to require a commitment to share the truth with love. And I'm not just talking about going out and sharing the gospel. But amongst yourselves, you know, you've got to overcome that critical spirit. It's to overcome it. It's, it's really a matter of sanctification, being made holy. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. You know, keep saying that. He's there. He's there. What is he? He's your comforter, your guide. He's your protector on this earth. He's within you. Even if you get into a backslidden condition, I don't stepped away again, but because I'm talking from experience, you get into a backslidden condition trying to rebel. He's still there. Like a buddy of mine told me one time, he's still got a hold of you. And if you, and you, you might, I, I, there were times I thought I had ESP until I finally come out of that backslidden world. I come to realize 
I know who did that now. I can remember it. There wasn't no ESP in me. I didn't have any special powers. He was warning me. Step away from the edge of that roof before you cut that limb. It's going to throw you off, you know. <laughs> it would have. Incidentally, what I got in mind at the moment, though. So we have to be careful. He's there with us at all times. Second Thessalonians speaks on this. In uh, it's my last. No, I got one more scripture. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you. This is Paul speaking to the Thessalonians. Beloved of the Lord, because here it comes God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification that is setting you apart, making you holy. Sanctification of the Spirit and belief for the truth of Jesus Christ. So as we submit to God, as we read His Word, if we pray for grace, we're going to find that that critical spirit's going to give what? He's going to fade away. You have to fight Him. He's going to fight His way back every now and then because He's got demons. He's got all kinds of people, well, creatures throwing things at you out there. So, but he's going to give way. If you keep it up, if you, if you continue to submit and stay in the Word and you pray, stay in prayer, pray for grace. If you do have something critical, I'm walking away from my notes again. If you do have, talk to them. If you do have something critical in your life, maybe it's the church. Maybe it's your leaders. Something's going on here. Well, you heard me say this a few weeks back. These are leaders. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Let them lead. That's what they're there for. God's got them. If you don't like what they're doing, don't go tell the guy next to you. Don't call him rant the preacher. Don't tell your wife. Go tell Jesus. That's what the altar is for. It's a beautiful song on that, incidentally. That's what this altar is for. And there's another one, Go Tell Jesus. Two different songs, huh? beautiful songs on it, though. So, you have a place to go. You don't have to let it come out and disrupt and destroy other people and destroy you too because it ain't going to destroy you when you're talking to Jesus. It's amazing how you can criticize and rant and rave at Him and then all of a sudden you feel better. Well, it's not so much so if you've got somebody else, especially if they have a like spirit. But we've got a, uh, we've got a tool. We've got a toolbox here. There's a tool in here. It's actually a scripture. It's helpful to help us in this matter. I'm kind of getting really back to basics now. Everybody's going to know it. Matthew 7, 12. It's, uh, it's said many times in the Bible, but it's best known in this scripture, I believe, because it's Jesus speaking. He says, Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you to them. You know the scripture. Golden rule. We know it. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Before you're doing things, You've got to learn to think. You've got to think unto others in that manner. Fight that out. Get it out of the heart. Get it out of the mind. Think about doing, think, think about them like you want them to think about you. Then do to them like you want them to do to you. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, come to you again today in the name of my Lord, my Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, Lord. Never can praise you enough. Thank you enough. All you do for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful place that we have here to come together. On a Wednesday night, Lord, some people had a good day, and I hope they praised you and thanked you for it. Some people may have had a bad day. I hope they praised you anyway, Lord. Just keep praising you, Lord. Lord, I pray that each one of us will take the words. You gave these to me a long time back. I've had this. And it was ready to come up. 
happened. The pastor called me last night. Thank the Lord for it. This was the time to do it. I must have been or I wouldn't have come. I pray, Lord, that we take it, we use it. Maybe anyone that's watching through the live stream will see our light on the camera. Someone there will be able to use these words also, Lord. Lord, I'm going to pray for these people that are out here working tonight. I don't know how many are going to leave here and go there and how many are back out there and they're working. But it's cold. Protect them. Keep them safe from injury, Lord. Pray, Lord, all is going to go well in that prayer tomorrow. Wonderful things are going to happen on your behalf for it, Lord. And I pray for these people sitting here in front of me, Lord. They're getting ready to go forward in another week, Lord, or throughout the rest of this week, I should say, Lord. I pray your blessings to be poured out down upon each and every one of them, Lord. Bless them with good health. Bring happiness, joy, peace into their lives, Lord. And I pray, Lord, you bless them with prosperity. Keep each and every one of them safe. It's in Jesus' name I praise you and love you. Amen.